Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. As I'm sure you know by now, I am all about celebrating the different seasons of life. And in particular, I love being able to welcome the new ones. And my next guest today just so happens to be stepping into a new season of her life right now. After settling into married life, releasing a memoir, and welcoming a new baby, Priyanka Chopra Jonas is getting back into familiar territory. She is kicking butt on screen. She plays a spy in Prime Video's action drama Citadel, and she's also in the romantic comedy Love Again. I sat down with Priyanka for today's spring cover story, which, by the way, was my first cover interview. Hello, new season. I was in New York, and she was in Mumbai, India. We connected virtually, and we talked about life as a working mom, forging ahead after the passing of her father, and, of course, what it's like being married to a Jonas brother. As you'll hear, Priyanka is honest, she is deeply reflective, and beautifully open to this next phase of life. I found her to be so inspiring, and I know you will too. I'm Hoda Kotby. Welcome to a bonus episode of my podcast, Making Space. You know what you do? You get stuff done, okay? You get stuff done. Has that been kind of the secret sauce? Because you're not here by accident, obviously. You're a talented human being. You've got all the things going for you. But how much did that play into your success? I am goal-oriented. I am solution-oriented. I don't get stuck in a problem. I like to, you know, figure it out. And I feel like when you can figure it out, then you move a lot faster than people who kind of get stuck. And I used to, when I was younger, I would definitely get stuck. But I think um, being in the industry kind of teaches you that, you know, survival of the fittest and the only way you kind of survive is by actually doing the work and getting stuff done. But it means you got to be confident in your voice. You have to be confident that, you know, number one, you'll be heard. You have to be confident. And I find women, it took me, Priyanka, until very late in my career where I felt like I had a voice. What I said mattered. What I said was important. I could ask for my what I deserve to get paid. But it, that took me a long, long time. When did that come to you? I think I didn't know any different when I st- started working first because I was this 17 or 18. I was a teenager. And to me, it didn't matter what I got paid. I was just happy to get the job. I was really happy to be in the mix. I was really happy to get... You know, I was learning the craft. I'd never been to school, acting school or anything. So, you know, my my observations were just, you know, what is everyone else doing around me? How can I learn? And I think that's something I still have. I'm a student of life. I don't expect that I know everything. So when I ask for something, it never comes from a place of, even now, it doesn't come from a place of, I expect this done. It comes from a place of, here's why it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, the, I come with reason um, because I don't like being told no to. 
So I, I, I make the situation such that it's hard to say no, where I'll be like, this is why it's necessary. Here's why we should make the change. Um, I'm never con- like, I never, I'm not someone who likes conflict. I love collaboration. So I always make it, um, so, and, and that started very young. I, I feel like when you give people, instead of, I learned and I tell young girls this specifically girls, um, but mostly for young people is confidence is, is not, it's, it's self-taught. It, it doesn't, it's not something you're born with. It's not something that you'll always have. There'll be days where you're completely underconfident and don't feel the best. My job, I don't have the luxury or yours to be able to go to set and be like, I'm having an underconfident day. We still have to do this. We still have to perform. I've been up since 6 a.m. It's almost nine at night, but I'm here talking to you, you know, because, and I'm going to give it my hundred percent. Um, and I feel like that kind of attitude just leads to other people having confidence in you. And then that leads to you having self-worth. Well, talk about, I mean, self-confidence from being a kid. I mean, you came to this country, I think you were 13. I mean, most 13s, there's no more awkward or insecure or scared time in your life than that, that little window right there. Yet somehow you had the moxie to come here. You had the moxie to say, I want to try this. I mean, that's, that's big confidence for a kid that age. It was, I don't know if I had the confidence. I think I just didn't know any better. I was just really excited about going to America because to me, American high schools were like, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 or like Saved by the Bell. In my country, in India, we have like 60 to 100 kids in one class. We don't go out to, we don't go out into the hallways. The teachers come to us because can you imagine in re- like in between classes, if there were 100 kids from every class in the hallways, So our teachers come to us. We never got to like, the American school system was just so fascinating to the teenage me. I was like, wow, we don't have, you guys didn't have uniforms. We had to wear uniforms because the socioeconomic background of most children is very different. So to create uniformity in school, it's mandatory to have uniforms. Whereas in America, you could wear whatever you want. Plus, I was also in a girl's school till I was in the 12th grade. So the added benefit of, you know, being around boys was very enticing at that point. <laughs> yes. I'm, so wait, were you, um, I was always embarrassed about boys and dating at that age. I always wondered, would anyone even look my way? What did you feel like when you were that age? I liked looking. I didn't know I could do anything about it, <laughs> but I kind of like, I was, I went to boarding school when I was in second grade, third grade. My mom sent me to boarding school because my parents were, they had just, um, you know, exited the army and they were setting up their own private practice. So, and my brother was born. He was a premature baby. There was a lot happening in my parents' life. So they sent me to boarding school when I was eight or nine for about two years. Um, and when I went, I went there as a baby. But when I came back to my parents' home and went back to my school, I was like, I'm a woman. You haven't, you haven't lived. You still live with your parents. I went to boarding school. I lived by myself. I had this like, with my classmates, I had this crazy sense of confidence where I would tell them what happens when you don't have adults supervising you. I would tell them like, you know, how fun it is when you're in a dormitory with like seven other kids and it's, or like, you know, 20 other kids and it's like a slumber party at night. And they used to look up at me as if I'd had this magical experience at Narnia, which was inaccurate. I just kind of made it up. And I realized, I think, you know, looking back, I think a lot of confidence comes from, 
I don't like to say fake it till you make it because I don't believe in faking anything. I think talking to yourself and having a dialogue with yourself, which hypes you to be what you need to be, is a very healthy thing. And I think in different phases of my life, I kind of taught myself or learned how to be my own hype girl. And it kind of helped me navigate many really crazy situations, like especially coming to America at 13 and, you know, going to a school where I didn't even know what to do in a cafeteria. I used to have my lunch in the bathroom inside one of the stalls because I was so nervous. I didn't know how to go to the cafeteria and get food. I used to get Doritos from a vending machine and just go to the bathroom, quickly eat and go to my next class. So I didn't have to meet kids for a really long time till I learned. Did you have uh, friends? Did you feel a part of something or? Eventually I made friends, but in the beginning, like this is the first like say three or four weeks when I didn't know anyone. And I used to just, the vending machine was easy. I preferred my own environment because I just didn't understand how to navigate hallways, how to find homeroom, how to go to a cafeteria, how do you grab a tray? All that was new for me. So I think I observed for the first three or four weeks. And then I got the confidence because I'd seen what kids do. I got the confidence to walk into the ca- cafeteria and I was like, all right, now I know what to do. I'm not going to look like an idiot. Did, did you ever feel, I mean, I felt this way when I was in school for much of the, my life. My parents came here from Egypt and they wanted us to be red, white, How and blue. Um, I was born in the States, but they came here as newlyweds. And my brother, sister, and I were all born here. But somehow you always are kind of different. Like I remembered playing spin the bottle when I was probably in sixth grade and I was praying it would land on Todd and it did. And when he looked at me when it landed, he said, I think that's going too far. And I'll never forget it. It was like a knife in my heart because I had dreamt of that moment. But it kind of reminded me that sometimes you aren't quite in with the other kids. And that kind of underscored it for me. I didn't know what your experiences were like in school. Did you feel like you fit or not? No, I don't think I, I didn't think I ever fit. And I don't know if it had to do with me being Indian or it had to do with me being non-American. I think that's kind of what it was. I was an immigrant kid. Um, I spoke differently. I tried to fit in a lot. I changed a lot of my identity when I was in ninth grade to kind of fit in. I I was in Queens for a short, short period, like a couple of semesters because my aunt who I was living with was moving around and living in New York just in ninth grade made me realize that the world is not just one type of people. There are so many different kinds of people. And then after that, when I moved around, I kind of had an arsenal of the you know, if you're made to feel isolated, it's not kind of true because Queens was like this incredible melting pot of like people from Ethiopia to people from like Afghanistan to like, you just, in my own block, I met like people from everywhere in the world. It was incredible, but I never felt like I fit into school um, because I came from a conservative family. You know, we, my family wasn't about You can go out at nine, you can date boys, like that stuff didn't exist. So, and that was very different. And I had to kind of explain it, why I can't talk to boys. So that would be really embarrassing, even though I was someone who liked the attention, even though I was someone who liked to wear makeup and I would come back home um, dressed in whatever I went to school in 
But when I went to school, I would change into like the shortest shorts, oh, yeah. crop tops, <laughs> and, you know, do all of that stuff. But trying to fit in is such a big part of being a teenager that I think I did the same thing. But I, I remember my crush was Seth and he had green hair and this was me and, and he never knew I existed. I may have mustered up the courage to say hi once. And that was the only time he looked at me and he just smiled and walked away. But I was, he was never in my league. And I, I absolutely understand what you felt. But the fact that he smiled at me or even looked at me when I said hi, or I think I passed him a pencil or something, he was in front of me. But he looked at me and my day was made. <laughs> Coming up, Priyanka on love, loss, and leaning on her husband, Nick Jonas, when she needed him the most. Stay with us. Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from nine to five before exploring with ease from five to nine because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Well, there are so many things that shaped you and formed who you are. As you're talking, you're someone who uses your hands, and I love that. And, of course, you've got a tattoo I see that says, Daddy's Little Girl. And I was thinking about you and that moment and what an impact your father has had on you in your lifetime. And... Um, I often, I, we have a lot in common. My dad passed away too. I was much, I was in college when it happened to me, but I remembered thinking like, thank you. I remembered wondering one day, and I asked myself this question too, what did you lose that day? So what, what did you lose the day your father passed? I think I lost my greatest cheerleader. I felt like that for the longest time. And don't get me wrong, my mom was cheering me all the way and, you know, she handles my whole life when I'm out to work. Like she's with the baby right now when I'm talking to you, you know, and makes my life completely amazing and has been my mentor from when I was a kid. But my dad was my cheerleader. He was, he used to get so excited if I ever won an award, or if I signed a new movie. He was my hype guy. He would love just standing and watching me be, you know, on set, just being me. He just loved that. He, he would just want to be around to watch me do what I do. And that was um, a very isolating feeling when he left. I kind of was very disoriented. I felt like, you know, I, I, I don't know how to cheer myself on. I didn't know how to get excited. I went into a really dark place because I was very, very close to my father. He was, and he, cancer is a really bad disease. It, it, to see the deterioration of a human being 
And my father was a defense army man. You know, he used to wear his you know, uniform and ride in his bike and handsome, tall and life of a party. And then to see what that disease did to him in his last few days kind of really broke me as well. Um, but I felt like I had lost my cheerleader. I think that's what I think I lost that day. Um, a lot of us go through life and we always compare someone who we fall in love with, with our fathers. It's just, it's, I think it's a natural way that we go through life. You need someone who measures up somehow. Well, look at you. You found this wonderful, wonderful man named Nick, who, um, <laughs> do you, um, what was it about him and what is it about your, your love story that you think makes this so magical and makes it work? He's my cheerleader. He's the most secure man I've ever been with. He gets extremely excited at my wins. He takes off my extensions at the end of the night. He um, fixes my dress when I walk off stage and makes sure it looks right when I'm on the carpet. He brings me my coffee first thing in the morning. Um, he's all the things that you know, a girl dreams of and you kind of never end up having it when, you know, you have all of those aspirations and you're let down. But my husband is the kindest, most generous, gentle, thoughtful man and also extremely intelligent and patient. He's just so even-tempered, can handle any kind of thing thrown at him and also has the ability to be vulnerable with me honest and vulnerable about his fears, uh, about, I, I think, just having the honesty to be able to say anything to your person and know that that's nothing can phase them and that they're, they're still with you and will still grab your hand when you walk out the door, no matter what happens to you, is a very safe feeling. And I feel safe with my husband. So it's, I, I wish that for everyone. Mm. I feel like sobbing right now, although I'm not going to because it would be weird. But it's, but by the way, that's so beautiful. And what I like is whether love takes time or whether love happens in an instant, when you know, you know. And you guys were like whirlwind city. And here you sit with a beautiful baby and a beautiful relationship. Uh, you know, I guess yeah. just the way it was Our intended. Our relationship has only evolved. You're right, because we didn't know each other very well. We didn't know each other's lives and temperaments but we knew that there was something that just drew us together we wherever we went we just kind of we were just drawn to each other we didn't i knew him for almost two years before we started dating and i mean i've said this before but honestly i didn't give it much of a chance because you know i was like he's 25 years old he's a rock star like i want to get married i want to settle down i want to have a baby i was 35 at the time and i was like I've been there, done the fun thing. Like now I'm in a place where I wanted stability. And I just, I didn't give Nick enough credit till I went out with him on our first date. And then we spent like the whole evening together. And I realized my husband is just like an old soul. He's, he's stability in human form. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> baby Malti, which is like... I don't know how you can improve upon what is it. it looks like a beautiful, perfect life, but that's how you do it right there. That little baby, 
first of all, that baby tested you. When that baby came into the world, it was scary, and the baby needed love, care, and all of your prayers and everything. What were those initial days like when Malti was born? This is another really amazing example of the strength that my husband has. I kind of like shut down. I, when we heard, I just, I didn't know how to react. And I remember he just held me by my shoulders and he said, and I said, just tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. And he's like, just get into the car with me. Just change, get into the car with me. And we drove to the NICU. I mean, we drove to the hospital. She was born. And from the moment she took her first breath to now, she's never been without one of us, ever. From her first breath, every... We spent like, we used to divide our days where, so that because we were both working, um, if I would take the morning shift and stay in the ICU with her for like six or seven hours, we used to do skin to skin because um, the nurses, I mean, in a NICU, they do God's work. Um, and they really encouraged us to be very hands-on with her, even though she was so tiny. She was in the hospital for about 110 days. Um, and... And then Nick would come in the evening and I would go home and then he would spend like five, six hours with her. And um, I don't think it was our test. I think it was her test. I realized very, very early that I did not have the luxury to be scared or to be weak because she was scared and she was weak. And I had to be her strength as her mom. I needed to make her feel at every given moment that she's not alone that she has someone who can handle her, that we've got her. And that's all we did. And we prayed and we were there with her every single moment. And today she's the greatest gift of our lives. Just like my whole life, our whole lives revolve around her. Oh my gosh. I love the name Malti. That just come out it's of the blue. It's my mom's middle name. It's your mom's middle name. Oh, oh my God. It's my mom's middle name is Malti and his mom's middle name is Marie. So she's called Malti Marie. Malti Marie. How beautiful. And she's with you right now? Yeah, she's asleep with my mom, actually. Of course. <laughs> I love the idea that she's, she's never been without you. When you finally were able to bring Malti home out of the NICU into your house and you were finally a family in a, you know, in your, in your home, in a normal setting. What was that like for you? Oh, it was terrifying because I was a, being a NICU parent, you really get used to the monitor and NICU parents watching this will understand that. Like, you know, your child is alive because you can see their heartbeat. I couldn't sleep for days because now suddenly she was home without a monitor. I used to like put my ear on her chest. I would wake up every couple of you know, minutes to just see if she's okay. For weeks, this went on um, till I found a camera that could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I can sleep better because I could see her heartbeat. <laughs> wow, I love it. You know what? It's so crazy when I think about your life because it has all the facets. Um, you are a beautiful mom and a loving wife. And then in the show Citadel, you're like kicking ass. Like every woman is like, yes, like I want to be, I want to have that kind of moxie. I mean, is there a part of you who has that kind of 
stuff inside you like your character does in Citadel? I think so. I, I mean, I like, I'm, I'm from the land of India. I'm from the land of Gandhi. I believe in nonviolence, but I could take, I could take someone on. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> I mean, you're strong. Girl, that you're, you're strong too. I mean, how do you have, like, seriously, the time to do all of the different things? How, how do you parse that out? I used to burn the candle on both ends. I won't lie. When I first started my 20s, I'd never even taken a vacation for 10 years because, you know, I was greedy. I was like, I want to do everything. I don't want someone else to have this part. If I, I, if I would make schedule my days in a way where I could do four movies a year because I wanted to do everything. I was just hungry. And then slowly I realized that that just chipped away at my soul. I started, I didn't know who I was. I didn't have preferences, likes, dislikes. Everything was just my work. And that's fine because I'm extremely blessed to have an incredible career and um, for almost 23 years now. And, uh, you know, our jobs are not the most stable. Like, I don't know where, you know, as an actor, you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from. You just have to get to the next job. So I've, I've managed all right for almost two decades, but in the beginning, it was crazy. After that, in my 30s, I think I realized that the thing that they say about work-life balance actually is a real thing. And now I've reached a point where I work till it's bath time at about seven o'clock. And then after that, I'm not available. Um, that's my time with my family. We do bath time, story time, bedtime, and then it's Nick and our, my time, whether we go out, whether we have friends over, whether we just sit together and watch a movie. Like having family time is, it just makes me want to do and conquer the world when I wake up and do a million things and I can do them really well because I know that I come back home to my family. And that just, that's such a priority to me now. Beautiful. Do you, uh, I know you start you started your career as a singer. Do you sing to your little daughter? Yeah, but my husband's better at it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say my, my my singing career lasted two minutes. His well, you lasted know twenty three years. He hogged all that because there's something about is there something particular that soothes your daughter when when she hears a certain song or when you when you read her a certain book. My mom used to sing me uh, a lullaby that she made up when I was a baby. And I used to sing that to her. It's in Hindi. And I used to sing that to her in the NICU. And um, I still sing that to her. Or Hindi nursery rhymes. Um, there's Lakri Ki Kati. And there are a lot of others, which um, I, I've always tried to... I want her to be bilingual. I want her to know her roots. Um, today, we're in Mumbai right now. We went to one of the largest temples, Siddhivanayak Temple with Malti in uh, Mumbai for the first time. She is eating Indian food like I've never seen. Like, uh, it's spicy for me. And she's like in both her hands <laughs> as if she's eating ice cream. Um, and, you know, so that was very important to me from the beginning. And that really soothes her. When I speak to her in Hindi and when I sing those Hindi songs to her, she gets really excited. Her hands start clapping and a big smile happens. And I want to hear a little Hindi song. I know I don't think I've ever heard one. Oh, yeah, I'll send you some. Don't ask me to sing it. <laughs> Worth a try. More with Priyanka Chopra Jonas when we come back. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now, I don't need to go to Mars. 
because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. So if you have an empty day, Priyanka, and I mean there's nothing on your calendar, your baby's well-loved and cared for, and you open those eyes and you're like, this is a day that's for me, how does that day play out for you? Well, I stay in bed for a while then. I like, I love just vegetating in bed. It's not my husband's cup of tea. He wakes up and he's out the door for some reason and he doesn't know the luxury of just laying in your bed for two hours and sipping on a coffee and I don't know reading the news I still love the tangible nature of a newspaper Uh so we still subscribe to a bunch of them like I love being able to just sit in my bed have a cup Mm. of coffee and read the newspaper like look at the news on my phone and then I'll have a languid head shower like I love when I have a shower where you wash your hair and like you know i do face mask and a beauty day Mm. i'll do a steam Mm. um and then i would love to you know eat some great food and watch or start watching either like a real murder murder crime show or something again my husband won't want to watch or like i don't know dubai bling or something (laughs) a reality (laughs) show (laughs) Um, and episodes of that. Yeah, that would be great. You know, you just, you know, one, <laughs> and then end it with friends. You need like a mindless day. That's really what you, what you need. I love mindless days. How do you fill your spirit? I love reading. I love traveling. When I travel, I love observing. I love culture. Um, you know, they say when in Rome, I really am a believer of that. Wherever in the world I go, I eat local food in every country I go to. Um, and I'm kind of training my daughter how to do that too. She's extremely, um, her palate is very global. Um, from Korean barbecue to pasta to Indian food, she's great. Um, but my spirit gets filled with people, travel, culture, laughs, jokes, community, good times, a table full of food and family and friends. It's truly what fulfills my soul. But also being able to go to work and, you know, when people watch my work for them to say, wow, I can't believe you did that. Even after all of these years, I get, I work, it's the most satisfying thing to me when my work is appreciated by the people that I work with and the audiences that watch my work. Like, that really fulfills my spirit because I put a lot of myself in my job. You seem so comfortable in your own skin, like you know exactly who you are, you know exactly what you, what you want and why you want it. Um, being comfortable in our bodies is some, sometimes a different thing. It 
takes years sometimes. Some people go to their grave and they're never comfortable. They just want to be in a muumuu and hide. Um, when, was, when was your most difficult challenges with your body and what you, how you perceived it? And how do you feel now in your own skin? I mean, I think the 30s were kind of tumultuous for me when it came to my body. Um, you know, because as, as you grow, uh, you know, your body's changing. I was going from this 20s like body, which is, you know, metabolism is at its highest. And then you reach your mid thirties and you're like, Oh, I can't skip a meal and it'll just look great. Like you can't do that. You can't just work out for four days and come back to your, um, you know, pre-vacation body. <laughs> but, um, I think that, you know, the standards of beauty in the industry are, especially for women, extremely skewed. And I've spoken about this tremendously. Um, but I would, I think I, my dad passed away. I had moved countries. I had come to America. I was filming Quantico at that time. I didn't have many friends. I was in New York. I felt a lack of community. I would emotionally eat. Um, I would just emotionally drink. I would, I, wasn't taking care of myself in the best possible way. And it had nothing to do with how people perceived me, but I perceived myself as not the best version of myself. And it was a really tough time for me to be able to like say, all right, I'm going to, you know, do what's good for my body because emotionally I wasn't there. Um, and, and I think that's okay. I've, I, I've, I've thought about that phase in my life a lot and my body needed to mourn. My heart needed to mourn. And yeah, you know, I needed pizzas to do it. So I allowed myself to do that pizza and a bottle of wine and a movie. You know, my heart needed it. I did it for a while. And then I reached a point where I knew that, you know, bottom had been hit. And now the only way was up. And I started taking one step another step, you know, maybe going to the gym two times or maybe even walking for breakfast or starting to find my health again, my mental and physical health, trying to reach out to friends. Friends had stopped inviting me to things because I would never go. I just wanted to go home and just hide. And then slowly I would say yes, or I would reach out to someone. I started choosing myself instead of the darkness that is seductive and that kind of reaches out for you sometimes. And that can happen to anyone, anytime. As soon as you choose what's good for you and wait, stop waiting for somebody else to be, you know, that hand to pull you out of it, it's a very powerful thing. You're unbelievable. I swear, that was so awesome. We're crying over here, okay? We're crying over here. We have people in our room crying. Priyanka, thank you so much. Thanks for the time. Thanks for staying up late. Thanks for being amazing. Thank, just thank you. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Making Space. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Priyanka Chopra Jonas. I know I did. And if you haven't already, follow Making Space and check out all of our other episodes from the last three seasons available wherever you're listening now. Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, 
you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta.